Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Boy, we've been talking a lot of college baseball today. Ball's playing right now. Um, trailing 3-2 to two to Texas. Ball's come out top of the third. Get the bases loaded with nobody out. Hit into a double play, which almost wasn't a double play. Catcher, the third baseman bounced the throw to the catcher who dug it out of the dirt, was able to throw to first base just ahead of the runner. Then the next batter flies out. They had the bases loaded with nobody out. Texas got three outs uh, out of the next two batters, though, with the double play and the pop-up. Texas uh, back at it again. In the bottom of the third, they've got a runner on and no one out. They lead three to two, and there's some action in the Tennessee bullpen already after Blade Tidwell's start today. Blade, this is no. There's been a lot of fireworks. First base, stole second and third because of bad throw. Why don't we do this? Uh, Wildcat from White House wants to check in. Wildcat, hold on. Let's go live to Vol Network coverage as Texas is knocking on the door again. Again, College World Series coverage, Texas and Tennessee. A throwing error goes into the outfield. Texas now has no one out and a runner on third. Let's go live to Vol Network coverage from Omaha. 10 seconds for station identification. 10 seconds for a station ID produced by Learfield IMG College. This is the Vol Network. At, uh, let's let the station ID go here so for 10 seconds we can talk. But uh, Texas with the runner on first, stole second, throws uh, sails into center field. He winds up on third. So now the Longhorns have a man on third with nobody out. We go now live back to Omaha. And third baseman Cam Williams. Williams hits from the left side as he can hit from either side. Sends a bounder towards second. Up with it, Ferguson. Throw to first in time, but it will get the run home. And it's Texas 4, Tennessee 2, as Williams drives in his 48th run of the season. Ground ball to the right side. And a leadoff walk, a stolen base, an error. All of that adds up to run number 4 for Texas, an unearned run at this point in the inning. Well, and both of those leadoff walks have come around to score. Melendez in the second inning off of the Kennedy home run, and now Antico on that RBI ground out. Here is Zach Zubia, right-handed hitting first baseman, a fly ball to right to end the first, takes a pitch inside, ball one. Tidwell up to 53 pitches right now. That's another development. Four runs on two hits for the Longhorns. Two runs, four hits, and an error for Tennessee. Pitch misses in. 2-0 in favor of Zubia. One out, base is clear. Bottom of the third. Cleanup hitter in the on-deck circle. Swinging a foul ball to the screen. Two and two. The winner of this game would play 7 o'clock Eastern on Thursday and meet whichever team comes up short tonight between Mississippi State and Virginia. Breaking ball, misses high and away. And once again, we see a full count. Blade Tidwell against Zach Zubia. Called strike. Did I say full count? I'm sorry, that was three and one, not three and two. That's my bad. Now it is a full count. 
Swing and a foul tip. Zubia able to get a piece of it and get another turn. Infield plays back as the balls look for the last out. To me, the second out here in the bottom of the third inning. Swing and a miss. There it is. It's the third strikeout for Tidwell, and out number two in the inning. Nice changeup by Tidwell. That's really a terrific out pitch for him, and has late diving movement to it, and got the K. That was a important out. Melendez led off last inning with a walk. Looks at strike one. Ball one, I'm sorry, it missed inside. There's a called strike on the outside part of the plate. Now even at one. I haven't put the out up on the scoreboard yet. Texas four, Tennessee two. Pitch hits sky high into left. Room for Russell. He'll take one step onto the warning track, make the catch, and that ends the inning. A leadoff walk. A stolen base. A Live from Omaha again. We'll continue to cut in. The ball's able to get three outs after surrendering or surrendering another run. They trail to the University of Texas four to two right now, heading to the top of the fourth. Uh, we had a discussion earlier because Blaine asked about the first UT. Lucas, a UT graduate, quickly pointed out that, as in Lucas's words, and we need to make this a drop, Tennessee would be North Mexico right now if it weren't for Tennessee. For Texas, you, Texas. You know, yeah, sorry, if it, were, if it weren't for Texas would be North Mexico if it weren't for the University of Tennessee. And that, so he said, obviously the University of Tennessee came first. And that, that brought up the checkerboard thing about Tennessee and Kentucky because both sides like to claim it. Lucas made a little brother comment as a Tennessee grad about Kentucky, but a man named Wildcat. And White House wants to follow up on this discussion. Wildcat, welcome into Blade and Mickey, 615-737-1045. Can you, can you further this discussion about the checkerboard thing? Yeah. Um, so um, I grew up a big Kentucky fan all my life, and half my family lives in Louisville. Um, but um, the checkerboards, yes, they, Kentucky did have them back in the day, like around um, Bear Bryant's home when he coached for the Wildcats in football. But the reason they brought him back recently with Mitch Barnhart um, you know, Kentucky's AD, um, is because of Secretariat. Um, Secretariat is one of the most known horses uh, and horse racing. Uh, one of the Triple Crown holds records to this day. Even made a video, uh, video made a movie, um, Disney did a few years ago. Um, but they even have, like, um, horse racing called Big Blue Nation Horse Racing, um, uh, like a sponsor. Uh, one of the horses ran the Derby this year. So uh, that's why they have the checkerboards. But with that said, I can speak for almost a lot of Kentucky fans out there. We don't, we're not a big fan of the checkerboards, especially on the uniforms. They, uh, they're they kind of horrendous on the basketball. Football is fine, but um, but basketball uniforms are kind of horrendous. But uh, but Mitch isn't going to give it up. But uh, it's it's because of horse racing. It's because of secretariat and the t- tradition in Kentucky. We didn't we don't want to mimic Tennessee. That's the last thing we want to do is mimic Tennessee um, or be in the consideration of being like them. So, with that being said, that's why we have the checkerboards. Wildcat, thank you for that calm and thorough explanation. Uh, Lucas, do you have any type of rebuttal for this? I just I, I feel like there's a blooming a nice old radio feud between you and. 
in Wildcat. Possibly. Well, they, they do completely different perspectives. They, they don't want to mimic Tennessee, and that's okay. There's a lot of places that don't want to mimic at least what Tennessee football has become, and that is completely <laughs> fair. But I'm sure they would like to beat Tennessee more than once every uh, six years. I don't know. Over the last 30 years, what the average has been, that maybe if you averaged it out, the amount of times they've won divided by the amount of years since 1984, maybe one win every seven years, maybe eight years. I don't know. What was the streak? What was the streak though that was broken by the kid, the wide receiver play quarterback? Yeah, that it was day? at twenty six or twenty seven when Dooley messed it up. I think it was twenty seven at the time. I can't remember what the number was, but uh, yeah, ten- Tennessee has has or Kentucky has has held a little bit more. Uh, they they put a few more dubs on the board since then, but it did go what a couple of decades. But I remember watching that game. And Kentucky literally had a receiver play quarterback that day because they were just out of people, and they ran seven plays or whatever it was. It do yeah, you, are you do yeah. you remember Blaine? I mean, you and I were. Do you remember that game, Lucas? Oh, I know you're not nearly as old as we are. Oh, I was in I was in eighth grade, I think. No, I was in, I was a freshman in high school. I was a freshman in high school, and I think when that game ended, I went up to my room and like put my head <laughs> under my pillow and like just didn't speak to anyone for like two hours. Like, no Tennessee player even wanted to be on the field in that game. It was, like, one of the most shameful performances in program history. That was was really bad. So, this was as a young child in Alabama all this happened? Oh, Lucas is on the phone right now. Lucas, is he was born and raised in Alabama. I can't imagine it. An Alabama youth, a young fella, you know, being that upset about a Tennessee loss. So, obviously, there's some family ties, obviously, to Tennessee because – now, I, I, I will correct Alabama you. Guy. I was born in Nashville. So I lived in Nashville oh. the first like eight years of my life, and we moved to Birmingham, and oh. I grew up there. But that part never left. Yeah, the Tennessee part of me. I always knew I was going to end up back. So you were exiled into Alabama. That's crazy. That is correct. Okay. I had to spend okay. 10 hard years in Alabama. Well, it turned oh, out okay. Did you ever think about coming to Alabama fan once you were down here and all the things went bad here for the last 10 years? Yeah, maybe uh, in hindsight. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I would have saved myself a lot of heartache. I got second grade me was like, well, I'm from I'm Tennessee and why would I why would I root for anyone but Tennessee and then Nick Saban got hired. There's plenty of people in uh Middle Tennessee who are from Middle Tennessee that are Alabama fans. Trust me, we do remote sometimes and people show up in their Bama gear and I'm like, "Oh, you from Alabama?" They're like, "No, man, I'm from Sparta." I'm like, "Oh, okay." How'd you become a Bama fan? Oh, I, you know what? I, I just I know the answer because they win. That, that's how. That's how people become fans of you know teams that win all the time because they win all the time. Coach Mack wins all the time. About to have Coach Mack on, but we do have a call first. Let's uh, who have we got on? Lucas Robert from Kolioka wants to talk a little UT Kentucky smack, and we'll we'll allow that. We'll get Coach Mack in just a minute. What's going on, Robert? Hey, what's up, guys? I uh, just wanted to chime in. I think you guys were uh, talking about the win streak for uh, Tennessee, Kentucky. I believe you guys were talking about football. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Um, I was born in 87, 1987. And Tennessee had a win streak from 1985 to 2010 before Kentucky ever won a game. So I was 23 years old and had never had never 24 years old and never seen Kentucky beat Tennessee in football. So uh, go Vols. I'll just say that. And uh, hopefully we'll get back to that point here pretty soon. Blaine, could you imagine 
like being all the way out of college or old enough to be out of college and one team had never beaten your team. That was a rough day for a lot of people I knew that were Tennessee fans. Yeah, it was. It was because of the domination uh, there. And that was big talk every time they played them. And especially that game, for whatever reason, I don't know, man. I felt like they were doomed from a jump because just things weren't going well that whole season. Yep. It was coming to the end. And then the players just seemed like uh, they really weren't playing for them at that point. Oh, they didn't want to go to a bowl game. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And they weren't – I don't know, man. They, <laughs> they just wanted to go home. Yeah, they, they ran seven plays to perfection there, Kentucky. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Well, I, I bet that dude who played QB that day has never paid for a beer or a steak or a hamburger again in his life in the, within the Commonwealth of Kentucky. I would imagine that rascal, and I'm sorry his name escapes me. I'm sure somebody's going to tweet it at us. But I remember watching that game, and I remember checking in with some Tennessee fans that I knew afterwards, and they said words that I didn't know existed. They were pissed. Well, we just had a guy who said, I was 24 before I ever saw that happen, uh, before he saw Kentucky beat Tennessee. Hey, man, it's it's a long summer. We're going to have plenty of time to take phone calls, talk rivalries, talk everything. Uh, we'll also keep you updated on today, Tennessee and Texas. Balls with a runner on and one out in the fourth. They troll Texas four to two right now in Omaha. Coach Mack is set to join us next. Let's talk some Titans next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. It's Tuesday. It's the second hour of the Tuesday program. And this music, all those things combined to mean only one thing, an appearance by Coach Dave McGinnis on this program. He's brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage at an affordable price. Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They got you covered. You got us covered each week with Titans news. But we got a little Vols news. You were uh, you were you you came in on Zoom and said, hey, man, the Vols just tied this game up. Yeah, I'm doing play-by-play here. I'm doing, I'm doing play-by-play on the ball game. I mean, this is I love the College World Series. I went to TCU to play baseball and football when I went, and I was I was recruited I was recruited for both. I I, I love this. I love the College World Series. It's really really a, a great great event. This is a good ball game. I mean, these teams are scoring runs. You know, uh, the the teams last night were having trouble scoring runs. These teams are scoring runs. All right, coach. That leads me, Coach Mack. To what is your second favorite sport to actually watch that you are all in besides the NFL and probably college football? What other sport do you kind of watch and peruse and, and you know, you know, kind of break it down and, and watch it like you do football a little bit? Oh, it's baseball all the way. It's baseball. My sister has a suite at the Rangers Park ah. you know, in, in Texas. I mean, it, it's it's baseball all the way. I mean, I watch when I go home to that small town I grew up in in, in the summer. I'll go to Little League games just to watch. You know, it's baseball way over and above anything else. All right. Give me one player that played in the major leagues that you think would have been an exceptional football player. Mickey Mantle. Mickey There's no Mantle. doubt. What was There's his no trait? Doubt. Why do you say that? What is his well, trait? He had, he, before, his knees, before his knees went bad, and that was back before they had any type of, as you well know, arthroscopic stuff for your knees. I mean, he had he was he had speed, he had strength. It, he was incredibly, incredibly quick. Uh, unbelievable, unbelievable uh, eye hand coordination. Yeah, Mickey Mantle could have been. I uh, uh, Mickey Mantle could have been just about anything. I think that 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 he wanted to be. Mm, wow, spoken by the true champ himself. 
Coach Mack giving us the Mack attack. And that leads me to, I haven't even asked Mickey this. He probably was watching it. But I didn't even know it was existing. I kind of perused it a little bit when it was going on. That is Spring Football League. Did you watch any of that? Yes, I did. I absolutely absolutely did. I I, I watched it. And look, I enjoy anything that gives people chances. You know, the the coaches that are coaching are, are NFL coaches. You know, I know all of those guys that are head coaches of those teams. They had four teams in Houston. They had four teams in, in Indianapolis, you know, and it was a, uh, it was, it was very interesting. The thing that's interesting about it, Blaine, you know, for our listeners, if they didn't follow it, if you were an ex NFL player, if you had had, if you'd been on an NFL team in any shape or fashion, then you were, you were, you could play free of charge. Those guys that weren't ex NFL players, they paid to play. In other words, they paid to come into the league. And so it was just a chance to be able to put their, their, you know, their, their wares on. They did a nice job. I, I thought they played at Rice University and then they played at the, at the Colt Stadium. So uh, I absolutely watched it and I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, Bart Andrus, you know, Bart, you know, was yeah, the Bart, yeah, yeah. Coach for you guys. He's, a, he's, he's been in that thing since its inception, you know, because he was a big NFL Europe coach. So right. any of these, any of these offshoot leagues, He's always been at the, at the forefront of those things because he understands how they work. He was a head coach in that league. Uh, I like it because it gives people chances. I thought it had a good, good concept because they weren't trying to be anything other than a league to give somebody a chance. No doubt. I got, I'm all for that. I, I remember growing up and when they came up with the USFL, like, well, maybe I'll have a shot at the USFL. Uh, if I don't make it to the NFL, and then before I even got there, the USFL was gone. So, yeah, we're on with the Mac attack, giving everyone opportunities here in this world. Right, Coach? <laughs> That's absolutely right. The USFL had a good idea until they started trying to be the NFL, I and mean, that's not right. a good idea. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Coach, and you know me. I, I was listening to Rhett Bryan and Titan Amy, and they were talking all this NFL history. I probably texted him 12 times yesterday when they were naming running backs and I said, you don't forget about the million-dollar backfield from the 50s with the 49ers. So, uh, you know me in NFL history. Well, only one league was ever good enough to merge, and that was the AFL. So, for people who don't know history, going back over 50 years, that league was so good, so popular, it became a rival to the NFL, and they merged. All these other leagues have not had that idea. Their idea was to compete with the NFL, and it's just too big. You can't do it. you got to know your place. And the Spring Football League, like you said, that's the beauty of it. They know they're just giving guys a chance. They know they're not going to merge. They know they're not going to beat the NFL. They found their niche, and they're just doing it. I wish all the leagues would be more content to do that. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you just got to you, – you're exactly right. I mean, I, I, I thought, you know, I, I thought the, the, the Alliance League had a good chance, you Me know, too. until they ran out of money. And, yeah. and they, they ran out of money because Charlie Eversall spent more than he had to begin with. So you just got to know who you are. Uh, I thought Rhett Bryan and Amy Wells, by the way, did a great job the last two days, you know, filling in for Buck. They really did a really good job. You want to talk about a baseball analogy, Buck better hurry up and get back. He might get Wally Pitt. <laughs> by, by <laughs> Coach Mack on with us. All right. I, we've talked about this before at this time of year, but we've already seen this. Rookie for the Cardinals, a guy, Zayvon Collins, has been arrested. A Kansas City player, Frank Clark. I pulled over with the Uzi in his car. What the suit, An Uzi. In his, it shoots. I, I looked, coach. You know what a Uzi shoots per minute? It shoots six hundred rounds per minute. Why does he that, have an Uzi? I, I don't know. Really? Is is that one of your biggest fears? Because I've asked you before. Like, what did you say to the guys when you were cutting them loose for the summer? 
because I'm sure your biggest fear is somebody's going to get arrested. Somebody's going to put an Uzi in their car and a duffel bag. We've gone right into guys getting in trouble here. Well, just boil it down to a real simple statement. Don't be that guy. Yeah. Just don't be that guy. I mean, you, you know, you've got five weeks, you've got five weeks and you, and, and you need to take some of that time, you know, to, to decompress, but to really get ready, you know, for a, for a big, for a, your big chance at a training camp, whether you're a rookie, whether you're a second year player, whether you're a veteran, I mean, every year, I mean, every year, not only every year, but Blaine's sitting right here in these Hollywood squares with us on zoom. And he can tell <laughs> us, I mean, every day's a, an interview in the national football league. And so everything that you do is scrutinized. And so anything that you do to bring attention to yourself that is that that brings a, a problem to your organization, that just puts a mark on you that you might be replaceable fairly early. You know, you've got a you've got a number one pick, you know, at Arizona. I think I don't think he was I don't I, the thing I, I know people in Arizona, you know that. So I know I mean he was driving fast in Scottsdale. You know, he was yeah. driving reckless in Scottsdale. I don't think there's anything, but still, just I mean, don't do it. There's no reason. I mean, I, I've been to Scottsdale a thousand times. There's no reason to drive 80 miles an hour through Scottsdale, you know. Yeah. So anyway, just don't be that guy. That was the message. Don't be that guy. It's really pretty simple. I remember standing in a locker room and Brian Harson, who's the coach at Auburn now, I remember him saying, you know, after a game, he would get them all. They'd Everybody be hyped up. They won more than they lost. And he'd say, protect yourselves, protect your teammates. Don't do anything that hurts you. Don't do anything that would hurt your teammates or this team. And when you do something like that, you hurt your team because you may not be available to play in games. You may get suspended. You may you, – there's just a lot of bad things that can happen. Well, look, it, it, when, you, when you're fortunate enough to be brought into the National Football League as either as a player, a coach, a support staff member, anything you do now that is going to uh, – the, the name of the team is going to be associated with it. You know, because the first thing that happens anytime you have these reports, it's not their name first. It's the team's name first. So, yeah. they, you know, they'll say Arizona Cardinal player. Right. Okay? You know, and so to, to me, you, you've got a big responsibility. I mean, it's a great thing. Look, I, I was in, I, I'm still in the National Football League, you know, my 35th year. It's been a wonderful opportunity for me in a lot of different areas. But there's also some responsibility that comes with opportunity. And so if you don't take that responsibility, you're going to pay the consequences. Coach Mack laying it out here, the Mack attack on Blaine and Mickey. Mm, man. So coach, let's get into the camp and the type okay. of camp. And that is who are the guys I think you think need going into training camp, training camp that is needs to have a good camp or they could be on the chopping block or maybe even get benched. Well, now it's not it's not so much chopping block, but to me, you know, just going in, the guys I think this is a big camp for, first of all, is those second-year players that were first-year players last year that were injured that really didn't get to do anything, yeah. you know, because of injury. You know, I, you know that two of them, Christian Fulton and Darrington Evans, I mean, this is a big camp for those guys. It really is. I mean, they've got to come in there and they've got to be ready to play. They're on that one spectrum of it. And then you got Rashawn Evans on the other spectrum of it. You know, that's got a, that's got a real chance you know, to, to, to have a good year this year and either get another contract here or a contract somewhere else. But every year you're always playing, you're always playing for something. But, but to me, the, the, this camp is important and this camp is important for this reason now too. This coming on the heels of at least a, a, a semi-normal OTA and off season is so you, you have a chance. Now, last year, last year was so truncated. Last year was so different. 
that there were a lot of ifs and buts last year. There really were. Well, this year now, uh, you know, everything is going to be back to normal and it will be back to normal more so for those teams that get 85 percent vaccination numbers, you know, towards their squad. That's going to be, you know, that, that's clearly going to be a topic heading into training camp as far as uh, and, and you guys have both seen it. I think our listeners are very familiar with what the NFL has done because the rules are going to be if you're not vaccinated, the rules are going to be the same as they were last year. All right. And that those were very, very restrictive. And, you know, there's a lot of hoops to jump through with that. If you're vaccinated, then it's just like it was before the pandemic ever hit. Mm. Any camp battles you think uh, worth watching or, or kind of keeping your eye out? I know you talked about, uh, you know, some of the guys who didn't play so well or want to play better or should have played better and some young guys who now got to have an impact on the roster. But are there any uh, battles or, or positions that you think were We'll be interested to see if it gets more playing time, uh, even that, if you want to call that a battle. Yeah, well, I think I think those spots in the secondary. I mean, I, I think pretty much your, your two safeties are pretty well set, you know, but, but, but you're, you know, the, there's three other spots because you're going to play you're going to play three or four corners, depending on what the personnel is that we are going to play against. I've already started to do work on the Arizona Cardinals, you know, just to look at them to get an idea of some of the things I've watching their last three games from last year, not to break any players down, but I just want to see schemes. Uh-huh. I want to see what Vance Joseph is doing on defense, see what Cliff Kingsbury is really all about situationally. I mean, just, you know, for the broadcast. Anyway, I, I start that now. I'll, I'll do our first three opponents because, as you know, uh, Blaine, you don't have that much film on those guys during the season. Once you get to the fourth game, then you've got plenty of current film. But anyway, yeah, I think in the secondary, because, you you know, you drafted – you drafted two guys for sure that you think can be able to help you, you know, in Farley and Molden. Well, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't get a full uh, off season of, of training uh, on the field. They were there, but it, it was not on the field. And so training camp's going to be big for them. I know what Jack Rabbit can do, you know, because, you know, I was on it. Uh, I was there at the ranch when we drafted Jack Rabbit. He was a starter for us immediately as a, as a rookie when we brought him in. So I know what he brings to it. And then Christian Fulton, you know, has got to step up. So to me, it's going to be in that secondary around those two safeties. Mm. I know they signed some uh, kid. Uh, I think he has, you know, a little bit of experience. I think three years of the, the Kevin Pret- Peterson, Peterson, the five eleven guy from Oklahoma state. I don't know if you know much about him. I know he's more of a special team guy, uh, but uh, did you get a chance to see him on the field? No, I don't know much about him. I, I'd be, I'd be talking right straight through my hat if I tried to tell you anything about him. And you guys know me, unless I know it, I'm not going to say it. So I don't know much about him, but he'll get a chance. You know, he'll get a chance for training camp. Training camp's going to be important too. I don't know yet, guys. Uh, I haven't seen anything official as far as about the size and the mannerisms of the practice squad again this year. I thought last year with the 16 guys and the maneuverability between being on the practice squad and being on the active roster was something that helped everybody last year. So that's, that's going to be important too in training camp to see how many guys, you know, you're going to be able to keep. I would expect to just because of that uh, Blaine to see some guys brought in during training camp, maybe to churn or chum the bottom of the roster you know, as, as, as we get through it, depending on what size our practice squads are going to be this year. Mm-hmm. One more question, though, because I always get this question, you know, fly by every year, you know, with guys coming out of college, coach. Uh-huh. And they always talk about asking me, how can they get into camp? How do they get a camp? I say, well, you got to hire an agent. And hopefully he can get you at least into camp as a free agent guy. So kind of take us through the process of what it would take for you to get in camp if you were a free agent. 
guy yeah, well, just graduated I mean, that, a year or two or you know yeah just, i mean that that process has to start you know quite a while ago you know, there's a big mm-hmm. there's there's a, there's a big uh rolodex bank on all of the players that are out there but uh to be able to actually actually be able to be admitted to a camp that's why you know that's why they they, they have tryouts which they did you know you know mm-hmm. the, the big the big basketball player french that we had in that was on a tryout basis right. But but it you know you have to somebody within the personnel department has to have been contacted or has to have some knowledge of you first. I mean the days of guys just showing up with cleats on and saying let me run a forty. <laughs> uh, those days are over. But you saw those days, Blaine, when you when you were first at the Oilers. I mean you could see some guys that would jump that fence there and come over there and say, hey, I'd like to I'd like to, I'd like to, I'd like to run a forty or, or something out there during the off season. I mean, those days are over. I mean, we've heard a lot of those stories. I mean, I look, when I was coaching, I used to have a, a stack on my desk, and we'd still have guys show up at the front desk, reception desk. I'd get a call and said, Coach McGinnis, so-and-so is here, and he would like a tryout. And I said, well, that's really great. I'll come down and talk <laughs> to him. You know, and I'd go down there, and there'd be a dude with his cleats on, and he'd be ready to run. You know, and so it doesn't work like that in the National Football League. <laughs> yeah, I, as I was telling him to just, you know, stand out there and just uh, stalk uh, John Robinson. And, he, you know, when he gets out of his car, just run up there to him and he, he'll give you a shot. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, it worked for Willie Mays Hayes. Remember, he just got out of his cot and he, and he just started running right through the drills and made the Indians. Yeah, that, 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 that stuff doesn't work anymore. It used to work. It doesn't work anymore. That was back, that was back in the day is when they were doing the draft off of Street and Smith's book, you know, <laughs> in, in, in one room and one room in Chicago and do really? all, all the rounds in one day and say, okay, who looks good in this round here? Let me, let me, let me flip through, let me flip through Street and Smith's and see, see who's rated here. Oh, wow, man. We're on with Coach Mack, giving us the business and the Mack attack, as always. <laughs> hey, we all, anybody watching the NBA playoffs, Coach, they've seen poor Ben Simmons, who's a good basketball player, completely lose his confidence. When you saw things like that happening, we all have seen him do it just in, in the course of this basketball season and in the course of the playoffs to the point that where he wouldn't dunk a basketball. And Blaine said he was afraid somebody was going to foul him and he was going to have to shoot free throws. He's so afraid to do anything. What did you do? How did you try to help players when you saw their confidence deteriorating like that? Yeah, yeah. I, I've never been around anything that extreme. I think Blaine was right, too, by the way, you know, with his yeah. analysis of that, because his free throw shooting wasn't real solid. But anyway, the, 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 Anytime you have a player, you know, and this is from all of my years of coaching that, that, that some, and, and look, it's easy for their confidence, you know, to waver because it, there's a lot of pressure out there on players in professional sports. I mean, you can watch it all the way. Look, we just saw, we just saw in the open, we just saw a huge blow up by DeShambo. Okay. Yeah. You think his confidence wasn't gone when he started spraying that thing all over the coast of San Diego there. So Anyway, but what you have to do, and the, the, the thing that, that, that I, I always did when I had a player that I thought was suffering from any confidence problem is bring them back to their fundamentals. Just bring them back to their fundamentals, bring them back to a base point. And rather than worrying about the problem, let's, let's focus on, because you've got the ability to be there, you've shown it before, let's focus on the fundamentals that have gotten you there and just work yourself back into that mindset because if you've got a good fundamental base, no matter how hot it gets out there on the, on the competitive field, if you've got that to go back to, you always have a settling point. You always have a settling point. But if you don't have that foundation and you don't believe in it, 
well, then your mind can really start playing some tricks on you. And if some things start going bad one way or the other, you can get sideways pretty quick. Coach, we appreciate the time as always. Love catching up with you every week. We talked a little baseball today. We talked sports psychology. We hit Street and Smith's magazine, a little bit of everything, man. That was good how to stuff. Get a dry out. Try how to get a tryout. Don't show up with your cleats, folks. It doesn't work that way. Uh, maybe the last guy to do that was Michael Lewis, the beer man in New Orleans, who showed up in his cleats and and ran his 40 and wound up playing seven years in the league. No, it's Vince yeah. Papali with the Eagles. Yeah, oh, that is Vince. Oh, Vince right. is my right. guy. Yeah, I met him too. Didn't we meet him at uh, when we did the uh, Army Navy game. Oh yeah, Vince. Vince is my guy now. I got him on speed dial. He is uh, Vince well, Papali. Is, is, is my guy. still pretty prominent there in, in Philadelphia. He yeah. Is, he oh is. yeah. Yeah. He's very prominent, and, and you know that's a that's a real story. You have a real story when they make a movie about you. you know, but, <laughs> no. Well, I'm just waiting for that movie about Coach Mack because that's going to be a good one right there. Just who in the world do they get to play Coach Mack? John Wayne's not here anymore. I don't know. Yeah, John John Wayne couldn't play Coach Mack because he couldn't wear any guns to do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Jerry Glantville should play Coach Mack. <laughs> oh? <laughs> Donald Sutherland. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry's still driving those race trucks. See you guys. <laughs> Coach Dave McGinnis, hey, man, there's some developing developments in this Tennessee-Texas game. We'll get you all caught up when we come back. Play to Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. So developments are developing. Tennessee has had an assistant thrown out of the game for arguing with the umpires. Texas had, what, two strikes, two outs, and two men on. There was a single, a very long single to the outfield. The player from second for Texas scored. The player who was on first at the time ran all the way around. There's a bang-bang play. They called him safe, and that's where we are right now. So Texas will either have a 5-4 or 6-4 lead. Let's go back to Vault Network coverage as they try to sort this out. It's a questionable call at this point, yes. Yes. Which did not go Tennessee's way. And another two-strike hit as well, just like Kennedy's three-run homer. Yep. That one to the right center gap. And Beck was the first one to it. And that's part of the room here at TD Ameritrade Park takes a while to get to those balls in the gap and well played by Tennessee defensively Ferguson excuse me a strike from Beck to Ferguson a strike from Ferguson to Beck runner is safe and so it will be not a double but it will be as a runner held up at first will be a two-run single by Silas Ardwan the nine hitter now driven in 33 runs on the year, and Texas comes through once again. The Volunteers one strike away from getting out of the inning. Instead, Texas comes through with another RBI hit. Two-run single by Arduan, scores Daly and Hodo. Both of them walked and scored again. And a throw over to first to check Arduan. And Texas is back on top by two, six to four. There have now been seven walks in the game between the two teams. Six of them have come across to score. All four Longhorns that have walked have scored. It's 
big part of this game. Two-strike hitting for Texas as well. Hunley checks the runner over at first. Ardwan. Ardwan just one of two in stolen base attempts this year. And Hunley had done such great work to get the dangerous Kennedy out just before that on the strikeout and was ahead of the count against Ardwan. And that first pitch in there for a strike against Mike Antico. Antico, one of those that has walked and scored, had a stolen base in the third as well. Officially 0 for 1 today with a flyout. Another check of first. So we've seen all kinds of disputed plays. We've gone to replay a couple of times. Ross Kivett, we believe, first base coach has been tossed from this game. I don't see him down there anymore. And Tony Vitello is there. Ejected earlier when another borderline pitch went against Tennessee. Yep. He's up there. Pitch missed away. Two balls, one strike. Antico bats from the left side. Senior from New Jersey, a transfer from St. John's. Actually, it's it's one ball, one strike. And that is lined in the center field. That's going to drop in front of Drew Gilbert. Throw go to third. And, man, that nearly got away from Liam Spence as Gilbert fired that in. And Spence had to really track that down. If that gets past Spence and Rucker, that's going to allow the move allow the runner to advance. But he held up. That is hit number four for Texas, and that will send personnel into the bullpen. Camden Sewell and Redmond Walsh will run onto the field of play to get to the door of the bullpen out beyond right field. And now Connor Pavoloni will go out to talk to Sean Hunley. Second hit hit in the inning for Texas off of Sean Hunley, who's recorded two outs via the strikeout, but he's walked two and now given up two singles. And that one caught too much of the plate as well. And Antico barreled that up in the center field. Ardwan now at second and Antico at first. Now the home plate umpire will go out to break up the convo that had the middle infielders with Connor Pavoloni. Bringing it back here. Uh, so Texas leads 6-4, to four, bottom of the fourth. They've got a man on first, a man on second, and two outs. The ball's having a mound meeting now, Blaine, trying to stop the bleeding here. I mean, they, they've got the ability to score, but so has Texas shown that today in an amazing stat. Uh, just now from the UT crew, all four walked Texas batters have come around to score today. They've t- Tennessee has walked four. Yeah. All of those guys have scored. That'll bite you in the fanny, man. They've got to tighten things up, and they've had an assistant uh, thrown oh, out of the game. Hit. Another guy scores seven oh, to four. Yeah, bottom of the fourth, two outs. There's two outs. Is oh. Not looking good. Well, they just put a couple of uh, pitchers out in the bullpen to warm up. 3HL coming up next. Here's the thing. They're going to keep you posted on this thing. We can run in and out of this Vols baseball game all afternoon. You just stick with the sports talk as things happen. 3HL is going to cut to the game. You're not going to miss anything. Been a fun day today. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Can't wait to hang out with you then. 3HL coming up next. Happy Tuesday, everybody. 
Happy Tuesday. Peace.